Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Antonio Brown showed up to the date and threw like a Molotov cocktail through the restaurant window. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast with your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And uh, as I just said to the guys before we hopped on the podcast, it's not like there's anything to talk about uh, because there's a slow Monday, huh? It's been a slow Monday. Uh, and I and I hope you can sense the sarcasm via the microphone because it has not been a slow Monday. And the first and foremost, the thing that we need to get into is the fact that we have been talking about Dak Prescott a little bit. Uh, we've been talking about Ezekiel Elliott and both of them wanting money. Uh, there have been numbers and projections that have been thrown around. And now the number for Dak Prescott that's been thrown around is $40 million. Jake, your reaction to the report today? Please stop. Turn down thirty million. Look, he's a he's a, a bona fide NFL starting quarterback. I like Dak. I think Dak is solid. Dak is not special. Jamie and I were just talking. I, he's not. If you're starting an NFL franchise, I'm not. He's not in the top ten. I'm starting with and forty million dollars. Now, look, the, there's nobody disputing. He turned down thirty. The forty numbers being floated out there, whether it's guaranteed money he wants more of, whatever it is. But even 30s, way up there. I mean, look, starting quarterback money, 20, 22, 25 million, I'm okay with. Even lock him up long term, give him some big guaranteed money early. But 40 million, get out of here. Yeah, it's just, it's such a number that's, it's so ridiculous. And again, as we talked about on the show ad nauseum, the guaranteed money is really all that matters. And we don't have those numbers yet. But, yeah, Jake alluded to it. We were talking before. I said, if we were starting a franchise right now and had just the, the pick of the litter, like that fantasy draft in Madden franchise mode, but for real life football, he's not one of the first 20 quarterbacks I would personally be taking. And, and look, I, I'm not a Cowboys hater. I've been on the show talking him up. Go back and listen to our NFC East episode. I just don't think Dak is anything special. And if you're going to handicap your franchise cap-wise, you're doing it for Aaron Rodgers. You're doing it for Patrick Mahomes. You're doing it for the quarterbacks at that level. You're not doing it for Dak Prescott. You're doing it for guys that make other guys better. Dak fits what they do very well, but Dak is not making Amari Cooper a superstar. Aaron Rodgers makes anybody he plays with damn near a superstar. Now, Devontae Adams is great. Don't even start with me with that. But he makes everybody else that's ever been there better. Andrew, the same way. Mahomes damn sure does. Dak doesn't do that. I'm also really curious if Zeke does hold out. What does this what does this Cowboys offense look like when the entire game plan is around Dak? I can tell you what it's going to look yet. like. I can tell you what it's going to look like. It ain't going to look as good as what it would look like without his, with Ezekiel Elliott. And, and we like know that. And yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, listen, everybody on the show, specifically Jake and I, going back to our days when the two of us were hosting a podcast. We are a proponent of get your money. So I do not want to come across like we are saying these players don't deserve money. They do. But Dak Prescott does not deserve to make $40 million a year. 
he is not in a category that is deserving of that and needs to have a conversation about how the salary cap works if he wants his friend Ezekiel Elliott to also sign a contract because if the two of them are wanting the money that they want, they're going to have money to pay about three other players on the team, and that's going to be about it. I mean, it just it, it doesn't add up, um, and this team – the drama continues, right? We got Dak stuff. Ezekiel Elliott's still holding out uh, something to monitor from a fantasy perspective because this team is going to look a lot different um, if Ezekiel Elliott continues to hold out um, and whatever these issues that come about with Dak Prescott. The, 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 the other big thing that has happened, okay? Now, this, this will surprise absolutely nobody. We the Vegas odds on this catastrophe happening between Antonio Brown and the, and the Oakland Raiders was we thought it might actually start in the regular season. Now, of course, AB did not wait till the regular season started. He didn't really even wait till the preseason started to start chaos for the Oakland Raiders. There has been a lot that has unfolded all over the past weekend. The latest news is that. Helmet Gate, of course, because we have to use Gate for everything that happens. Uh, Helmet Gate is an arbitrator rule today against Raiders ride receiver Antonio Brown's grievance to wear his old helmet per a source, is Adam Schefter. Now Brown must decide if he's willing to play football with a new helmet. Now, I am sure it does not surprise any of you that AB's tune has changed very quickly because $50 million is on the line. His response. While I disagree with the arbitrator's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about this season. Appreciate all the concerns about my feet. My favorite part of this is the hashtag at the end, hashtag it's bigger than me. Jake, I am dying to hear your thoughts about this. So please, please tell me your thoughts and reaction to this news. It's never been bigger than AB. AB is that's he is his own guy. Him and Odell Beckham Jr. are cut from the exact same mold. It's all about them. It always has. But I look, I think he was trying to buy three or four more days for the feet, coming up with a excuse. In his book, he thought it was probably a good idea. Let me talk about my helmet. No way in hell you're not gonna play with another helmet for eighteen million dollars. That's this year. The fifty million is total. Like, come on. You're not gonna play in a lighter, better fitting helmet because it's new. He's been wearing the same one for ten years. He also gave himself a built-in excuse if he struggles out of the gate because he's missed so much time that he can blame it on adjusting to this new helmet that he apparently can't see out. Everybody else in the league can see out of this helmet, but Antonio Brown can't. (laughs) Listen, this is – there is an absolute built-in excuse. I am completely with Jamie. Listen, last year, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, just a few of the notable guys who wore the old helmets, who hadn't adjusted to these new helmets that were happening. So we're talking about there were other people that were not happy with this new helmet, but the helmet was something that came from the NFLPA. This is supposed to make the game safer. This is supposed to protect you from head injuries. And Antonio Brown claiming over the weekend that if he had a head injury, he would sue the league and go after the league. I mean, there has been... Oh, a lot. This has been a roller coaster over the weekend to we, where we have gotten to the point now where AB is playing football. He's going to rejoin his teammates. But my question to you guys is this all happened before they've even played a game. How, what is your faith I, I, that this situation is not going to blow up again here in the next coming weeks? Well, I think that's the part that surprised me the most. We all knew this was going to end badly and the middle was going to be bad. I don't think we thought it was going to start bad. We kind of thought, you know, if we've been in like a relationship where everything seems like great early on, maybe 
you dated someone that had a lot of baggage, you heard things about them, but you know, but you're like, no, let me let me get my own opinion on them. And a lot of times, usually, it starts out well, and then the person that they really are comes out later. This one, I mean, Antonio Brown showed up to the date and threw like a Molotov cocktail through the restaurant window. Like I was not ready for him to blow this up pre-episode one of Hard Knocks, pre-preseason games. Like just this is this is hilarious to me. You would think he would be at least pretend to not be a lunatic for like three to five weeks maybe. But no, I mean it, it, I was surprised it happened this quickly, but not surprised that it happened. He can't pretend. This is like 0% chance that I'm shocked here. This is fully what I expected. We know who Antonio Brown is. We know who John Gruden is. Derek Carr's stuck in the middle going, what in the hell is going on right now? And HBO is licking their chops. This is like must-see TV, and it ain't over. It's only going to get worse. It'll be ups and downs. He has a good game, and they win. He'll be happy. They lose, and he has a bad game. He'll be rumbling nonstop in the locker room, and Derek Carr's here, and John Gruden's office, and whatever else. Those two are going to come to a head before it's over with. Yeah, well, I think we, it's safe to say that the Antonio Brown situation is not over. This is It's over no. for now with a big, big clause. So from a fantasy perspective, guys, when you look at this, because he's gone all over the place. I mean, he talked that the retirement word came up multiple times in the last three days. What is your confidence level in Antonio Brown? Because I've gone, I have heard, I've listened to three other podcasts today. I've heard a ton of fantasy analysts. Some people have him in their top 10. Some people have him in their top 15. Some people dropped him out of their top 15 because they're, and I can't blame anybody either way. We know AB is a talented dude. That is, nobody is arguing that. But his mental health, and I don't even know what's going on with him. There's been a lot of speculation about a lot of things. He is all over the map. And this seems like just uh, you better get ready for a roller coaster. I think that's what you can expect if you're a fantasy owner, Jamie. Absolutely. And my rankings, just a shout out, my rankings go out every Tuesday morning on the draftnetwork.com. So we're recording this on Monday afternoon. So I haven't, right after we hang up on this show, I'm going to adjust all my rankings. And Antonio Brown's going to move down. Uh, I haven't, he was my wide receiver nine uh, coming into the week. I can't drop him outside of my top 20. But I do think he's going to be somewhere in the mid to late teens because it's not just this health issue. We all got to forget the last few days that he has frostbitten feet because he doesn't know how to go into a cryotherapy chamber properly as a professional football player. So, I mean, he's not practicing. He had done, I have no idea if he knows what he knows and what he doesn't know about this offense. I, I, there's a lot of risk when it comes to drafting AB and – I just put out a poll less than an hour ago before we started recording, and I said, in this sick, twisted world where you have to draft your fantasy football team tonight, where would you take Antonio Brown? The majority of people would still take him in that 11 to 20 range, but about a quarter of the respondents said they're taking him completely off their board. I mean, if you're in an auction draft, I wouldn't be shocked if you say, you know what, I'm just going to sit this bit out completely. I don't want any part of Antonio Brown. Look, if he drops far enough, I'm still getting all over it because there's going to be value there. The guy, if he's on the field, is going to put up numbers. I'd much rather have Keenan Allen, Juju, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, all those guys in the second round where you were going to be drafting Antonio Brown before. Now, if he drops a little bit, I'd still snatch him up and hope he's a flex or something like that. He's going to put up numbers when he plays and when he's healthy, even if all this crap is going on. It was going on behind the scenes his entire career in Pittsburgh. So I don't think anything's new. He's put up numbers throughout all of the – ridiculous drama that he's put up, you know, for all these organizations to deal with. Yeah. The major difference now, obviously being that 
he played on a good team the entirety of his career. He also played for a player's coach in Mike Tomlin, and John Gruden is not going to be described as a player's coach. He is going to run things the way he wants to run things, and I think it's going to be entertaining uh, all season long, all preseason long for that matter. Uh, And let's talk about preseason, guys. There were a lot of preseason games over the last couple of days. We haven't talked on the podcast yet about takeaways. I know Jamie and I were having a field day with the overreactions happening on social media, but that is what happens uh, because apparently Daniel Jones' entire college career didn't matter because of what we saw in one in one series uh, in the NFL. But I'll go to you first here, Jake. Is there anything that you took away from, from week one of the preseason? Look, speaking of Daniel Jones, he looked good. he's not the sixth overall pick they reached, but the guy can play football. Like the fact that he's getting completely bashed by everybody, like he's the worst quarterback of all time is ridiculous. He looked really good. He was very accurate. That didn't surprise me. Like that was, that was okay. Uh, You know, you saw a lot of ones going against vanilla defenses and scoring points. It was easy. I mean, a couple of things stood out. Devin Bush, the Steelers linebacker looked awesome. I mean, he looks like he's going to fit right into that defense, be a superstar. Uh, the overreactions on Kyler Murray, he wasn't the best quarterback in the game. Tyrod Taylor played his tail off. I'm not sure that Kyler Murray was the best player on his team that night. Look, he throws a very accurate ball. It came out of his hand with a lot of zip. It looked good, but he didn't do anything. He didn't face a real defense. He got sacked. Their offensive line still missing two or three guys. The fact that all of a sudden they're going to be this super explosive offense that's going to shock people, I'm going to have to wait and see on that. I like the kid. I've said that they're going to be a much-watch team they're going to be fun. He's going to be fun. But come on, man. Like, the overreactions are ridiculous from week one. Yeah, I mean, I, I learned almost nothing from week one in the preseason, as we do every year. But we continue to have these overreactions to guys that are playing against backups or mixes of starters and backups. And they have, they have five good passes, so now they're great. Or they have one good run. Nothing really has changed. To me, I think the injuries are the biggest takeaways from week one of the preseason. I don't think anything we saw in the field is really going to change my mind over what I thought we would get before. Yeah, we'll get into those injuries right now. So first and foremost, Kiki QT uh, ankle injury was initially thought to have been worse, um, possibly not as bad as what it looked like uh, on the field, not a major injury, uh, ankle injury now being reported by Ian Rappaport. So how far does he drop for you, Jamie, uh, now that obviously, listen, we've talked about this ad nauseum, it feels like, because Will Fuller and Kiki QT both have injury concerns. And when you walk into your draft and you already have that asterisk next to you that says you're an injury concern, and then in week one you get an injury, it's a tough situation from a comfort level drafting a player. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, he was outside my top 40 at this point. He was the 42 overall for me, but he'll, he'll drop a little bit further from there. It's, you know, we use this a lot in fantasy baseball, but I think it applies here too. It's tough to have injury optimism with guys who are already hurt. You don't want to predict injury too much. I mean, there's some guys you just have to know that they have a long history and you have to factor it in. But you also don't want to just assume guys are going to be healthier quicker than you expect or that they're going to be 100% the second that they come off uh, the injury report because it's just not the case usually. Look, there are a lot of questions right now in Houston. Like I, I'd be concerned now. Your, your number two, your number three wide receiver are hurt. Duke Johnson comes in and now he's hurt. Uh, you know, th- that team is kind of all over the place. But for QT, for QT specifically, I mean, he's now probably a 
a wide receiver six or somebody you're taking in the in the late rounds now. Like I, I don't know if that upside is going to be there. And I still love Deshaun Watson in fantasy, but you have to be a little bit concerned about where he is going ADP wise now. With literally all, th- I mean Hopkins is hurt too. All three of his top options are hurt right now. So that that scares me if I'm a Texans fan or if I'm somebody that wants to draft Deshaun Watson. Yeah, look, as far as QT is concerned, he's a guy with an injury history. Thank God for the kid that it was not as bad as it looked on TV because it looked really bad. I mean, it looked like a surgery out for the year kind of thing. But he's a guy that deals with stuff all the time. Maybe it's bad luck. Maybe he's injury prone, whatever it is. Maybe a guy I'd like to stash late, late rounds. And when he's healthy and that offense is rolling, you play him in a spot. But, I mean, I think you drop him way down at least that point, if not take him off the board totally. There's better options. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. I saw as I was researching today that last year there were only four games where all three of those guys played together. Uh, so the Will Fuller, the assumption that it is his, he's going to be ready to go, but that, like, I don't want to make any assumptions about him being ready to go uh, at the beginning of the season. And now, obviously, with the Kiki QT news, not great for the Houston Texans. Uh, another thing that's not great is when a head coach – tells you that it is going to be a running back by committee room, okay? If you are drafting in fantasy football and you already drafted Damian Williams, your worst case scenario is Andy Reid coming out and saying it's going to be a run running back by committee. Jake, I'll go to you first here. Uh, listen, we like Damian Williams. If you're looking at him now and you just heard Andy Reid, who traditionally has a featured back, come out and say that he is going to have a running back by committee, a similar situation potentially to uh, uh, Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West maybe back in the day with the Chiefs. What is your concern level in owning Damian Williams? I didn't have him near as high as Jamie did. Look, I did like six mock drafts the other day. I've, I've seen him go as high as seventh or eighth in the first round which was insane or at least gone by like pick 15 and 12 man league. It was, it was kind of nuts. I didn't have him that high, but some of this is posturing from Andy Reid. There's what are you, what are you going to see from this offense? We're moving things around. It's going to be running back by committee. You know, it's the preseason. They're, they're throwing something out there that may or may not stick, but I'm not that high on him anyway. And I'm definitely not taking him in the first round. There's at least going to be some Carlos Hyde action or Andy wouldn't have said that at all. So it's enough to scare me off of him, and he's not going to fall far enough to where I think I get any value taking him. I'll throw this back at you with the question page. What is a player's best ability? Availability. Availability. And and Damian Williams has not been on the field much this preseason. And look, he's he's had that hamstring injury. It's been a problem for him. He hasn't really been able to shake it. Uh, I think just like Jake said, Andy Weed's trying to get some motivation under him that, hey, you know, everybody in the world is saying your flaw – is we've never seen you carry the workload. And now you're already hurt coming into camp. Uh, Andy Reid's offense, you can have success with this, I don't know, a cardboard cutout in the backfield and have sub-level of success. So it's almost uh, Mike Shanahan-like uh, in the way that just Andy Reid produces productive running backs from all over the place. I, I have him as my 13th running back right now. He's going to fall a few spots for me. I, obviously, I would not, not take him the first round. To me, he's a, he a late second-round kind of talent. I'll probably drop him down a few spots, but – the problem is, is all of these running backs have playing time question marks. Like, I'm going to put him right around where Aaron Jones is. I don't know if Aaron Jones is going to get 80% of the touches in the backfield right now. So there are a lot of questions as you get into the Josh Jacobs and the Chris Carsons and James Whites and the Philip Lindsays of the world. And I can't quite put him behind there because I don't think he needs 20 touches in order to be a high-end RB2 for you. I think if you just get somewhere in the low teens, he could even provide that. 
but it does have to concern you. And I do think you might have to handcuff him later on just because the injury history, the fact that he hasn't carried the workload, the fact he hasn't really been on the field have to concern you for if you're spending a second round pick on him. Yeah, you always you always have to be concerned when the head coach comes out and says it's going to be a running back by committee. It's they better concern the hell out of you if you're going to take him in the second round. Yeah, I'm not taking anybody that early. Um, I, and and like Jake said, I've I've been doing mock drafts as well, and I've seen him go inside the top ten picks. Where I can assure you that is, I will not be one of those people. Uh, I've not seen him take on the workload. I read some statistics today about him and how little he's his experience has been. There's a lot of upside, as Jamie alluded to. You could be a cardboard cutout and have success in Andy Reid's offense, but at the same time, you got to see it before you spend a first-round pick, for a top-10 pick on a guy like that. Uh, we're going to get into our rankings here, our rookie uh, rankings, rookie discussion. I will continue to go off of fantasypros.com. They have a bunch of different experts, 37 experts that have combined to put together some rookie rankings. Uh, and I'm just going to go through their top 10, get our overall thoughts here, uh, talk about some of the ones that we have potentially outside of our top 10 and just have an open discussion. So the number one overall uh, rookie coming into the season uh, across the board. It looks like ev- almost every expert with the exception of three has him rated as the number one guy this year. And that is Josh Jacobs in Oakland. Uh, Jake, I'll let you, t- you start here. Your thoughts on Josh Jacobs and his upside this season and long-term. Well, I had him high when we did our running back ratings. He's a three down back. They want that. He's tough. He catches it really good out of the backfield. There might be a little bit of a progression getting used to the NFL game, and maybe he's not a star weeks one, two, or three. Uh, but I think he might be. I think he might just blow out of the gate. I've got him as my number two overall rookie, uh, but I'm really high on him. I love the player, and I know in that offense there's going to be a bunch of dump-offs, a bunch of screen passes, and Gruden's going to make everything go through him if they can. They didn't draft him that high. A couple to ways to take this. Like he's my number one rookie if we're talking about – and both for – you're just doing a redraft league or if you're doing a dynasty league and you're drafting rookies – He's got the path to the most opportunity, and he's got the most upside, I think, of any of these guys here, given where he was drafted. But I do think if you're taking him in a one-year-only redraft league, there are some concerns. He is a low-end RB2 for me. Yes, he has some upside, but I think he's going to be in somewhat of a timeshare. I think it's going to be a very significant timeshare in the first half of the season. So he might be somebody that you have to take, and then you're hoping he's going to be the guy in the back half of the year. He certainly should be, but we'll see what that turns out to be. Uh, I would still take him in the fourth round if it's me. Uh, I have him kind of projected to be some, you know, around 1,100 total yards and seven total touchdowns this year. So he's going to be very productive. I think long term, you're hoping he's the bell cow back and he would be the number one guy I would take in a, in a dynasty draft where you're taking uh, a dynasty rookie draft, I should say. Uh, but I would have some concerns about him if I'm taking him in a one year redraft league. Now, I am interested to hear what you guys have to say about the number two guy here because I am not nearly as high on him as most of the rest of the fantasy community, and that is Nikhil Harry uh, coming in as the number two overall rookie uh, for the New England Patriots. Jamie, I'll go to you first. Uh, we had, look, a front row seat to Nikhil Harry here at, at, in Arizona. Like the kid, like the player, but I think there's a little bit of an overreaction to him getting drafted to New England and being a uh, overall stud, as we've discussed Rookie wide receivers take a little while to make the adjustment. And they the do, and especially for a guy like Bill Belichick, he's there's not a sim, it's not a simple system to learn, and he's the Belichick's going to play the best players. I don't. I mean, Harry would probably be a number four pick if I'm doing a dynasty rookie draft. I do think there's some potential in future years in that offense. Brady really does need an outside threat. 
We're not sure what Josh Gordon, and we're never going to be sure what Josh Gordon's status is ever going to be, but we're not sure what it is going into the year. Uh, look, if you've watched the preseason, you saw Nikhil Harry win a big 50-50 ball along the sideline. That's what he's going to do. That's his game. But I don't think he's a game-breaking talent. He doesn't get a ton of separation. So there's some potential in that offense. But just for the player itself, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's maybe a better football player than a fantasy football player. So I'm not excited about him this season in a redraft league. He's my number 53 wide receiver. I want to take a shot at him in the double-digit rounds by all means, but he's going to be off the board by then. Uh, But I would use a number four, number five pick of all these rookies in a dynasty league on him. I've got four receivers in the top 10 rookies I wrote down. He's not one of them. I'll tell you what I think. He can't separate, so he has a lot of 50-50 balls. Luckily, he's good at going up and getting them. But Tom Brady ain't throwing it to you if he ain't open. There's not going to be a whole lot of 50-50 balls he's throwing up unless it's in the red zone. So I don't think the production is going to be anywhere near where these people think where they have him. All right, number three in the Fantasy Pros ranking, Chicago Bears uh, running back David Montgomery had a nice little scamper for a touchdown in his preseason debut. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts on David Montgomery. Where would you be drafting him in a dynasty league? I have him number three as well for dynasty rookie draft. I think that offense is going to produce plenty in the backfield. I think he can step in in the future, be that Jordan Howard role with a lot more skill, a lot more pass-catching ability, and a lot more upside. I I do think as we get – two, three, four years into the Matt Nagy era, I think there's going to be more offense for a player like David Montgomery and maybe a little less offense for a guy like Tariq Cohen. Uh, But for one year, again, I still have some concerns about Mike Davis being there. He's not only a competent pro, he's been successful. And by the way, he beat out a first-round rookie last year too in Seattle and did it very successfully. So David Montgomery is hanging right around RB30 for me this year. Overall, I'd be fine with taking a chance on him in round six. But I do think his upside is going to be limited because there are a lot of guys that can work out of that backfield pretty competently. Yeah, I've got him at three as well on this list. Uh, I watched the game the other night. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I, I agree with Jamie. I think he probably will phase out Tariq Cohen eventually because I think he's got enough skill to kind of be a three-down back, which is what everybody wants. Um, another guy that was getting really overdrafted all the mock drafts I did, though, he was flying off the board early, like rounds three. Um, I'm not taking him that high, but I'm a little higher on him than I was when we did our running back draft, our running back predictions. All right, number four in these rankings, Philadelphia's Miles Sanders. Uh, I am going to go to Jake here first because I think he probably has Sanders pretty high. I've got him at four on this list. Uh, I probably had him a little bit high when we were doing the running back stuff, but he's a flyer. I mean, I love the player. They just have a little bit of a crowded room. He's going to have to separate himself in camp and show that he can be a three-down back, which I believe he's just a poor man's Saquon. I think he can do that. Um, really, really solid player. I've got him at four on this. He was a guy that I drafted in probably four of the six leagues. So I was getting him at the value that I wanted. He was the fourth or fifth running back that I took. And, you know, he's going to be a flex option, RB2 in a bye week, something like that. Uh, I really like the player for that, but it's going to have to kind of get that way. And I know Jamie's thing with Peterson and the Philly uh, running back room is not, not the same as mine. Yeah, I mean, as I look at it, actually, I'll correct myself. Montgomery was number two on my list. I have Sanders at number three. Again, my concern long-term is is how big is the role going to be in the offense? I don't have any concerns about his talent level, but how big of a role is he going to have in the offense, not only this year but beyond? Is Doug Peterson going to want to use a running back by committee? Does does Sanders gain the trust and he becomes somewhat similar to a three-down back? I'm not sure we're ever going to see a 25-touch back in a Doug Peterson offense, but can he be something like that? For this year, he's right around RB40 for me. 
Uh, I would take him in the eighth round. He, you can still get him there. I think there are some drafts where he's still being undervalued. So if you want to take a flyer on one of these rookie running backs, the best value right now, again, I don't know what's going to stay that way, but right now might be Miles Sanders. All right, the second wide receiver off the board here in the rookie ranking is Hollywood Brown, A.J. Brown, uh, Tennessee Titans. Jamie, your thoughts on Hollywood Brown coming into this Are we talking season? Hollywood or A.J.? Um, a, if, oh, A.J. So, so Brown. AJ he's number Brown. 10 for me on my list of dynasty rookies. Uh, I have him behind one, two, two other wide – or three other – or no, two other wide receivers. I love the talent, hate the situation. Uh, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback in Tennessee long-term – I know right now it's a combination of Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. That doesn't excite me. Uh, I believe yesterday, August 11th, was the first time he took a snap with the first team, and I think it was exactly one snap. Uh, So he's not somebody that's on my radar at all for this year. I mean, I think you're looking at maybe a 40-catch year from him this year. Long term, again, I don't love this wide receiver class just in general. Like I think a lot of guys that I like talent-wise got drafted to bad situations. It's not a talent issue. It's a a situation issue, and that's the best way I can describe this here. Love the talent. I think Tennessee is going to be one of the worst landing spots for him. Yeah, I agree. Shout out out to Starkville High School. Uh, A.J. Brown and I both went there. Uh, (laughs) I hate hate the situation. Hate the situation. Love the player. I I wish he somehow ends up in a great place where they're going to throw it a ton. Uh, I don't have him in my top ten on this. I mean, if we're talking – dynasty keeper or whatever, then I love the player, but I still hate the situation because I don't mean unless two ends up there next year and now you got Corey Davis and him on opposite sides of each other, that I could like. But as of right now, I don't have him in my top 10 of the rookies from this year. Yeah, unfortunately for A.J. Brown, they don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be right now. There's talk of Mariota looked really bad. Shocking. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's it's not a, not a good situation for Marcus Mariota and for that offense overall. Uh, looks like potentially I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Tannehill ends up being the guy at some point this season, which I know Jamie would be really surprised Shocking. if that happened. For all accounts, Marcus Mariota is a great dude. I, I'm, not, I'm not attacking the person. I'm never attacking the person on this show. Uh, I'm always attacking the talent and the prospects. Watch every throw Marcus Mariota has made in the NFL and tell me you see an average NFL starting quarterback because then I will call you a liar. (laughs) Moving right along to the bottom half of of this list. Uh, Number six overall, DK Metcalf for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Other than being a physical specimen, uh, I know that one of the biggest things that Jake had grievances with the draft network guys was his, his catchability. His hands aren't as good as a lot of the other wide receivers that came out of the class. Now he is one of the most physically gifted people I've ever looked at. Uh, I know Jamie has described standing in front of a player and feeling uh, a little overwhelmed. That was my feeling when I stood next to DK Metcalf, Jake, what are your thoughts on, on him and that Seattle offense? Since obviously without Doug Baldwin, there is opportunity uh, for somebody else other than Tyler Lockett to take a, take a step forward and, and get some balls. I've got, I've got a number six on my list here. I like the situation a lot better than the Hollywood Brown or AJ Brown for sure. He's going to get a lot of single coverage. We can go deep. He's a big freak specimen. What we've talked about, and he has the best quarterback at throwing the deep ball in the NFL period, Russell Wilson. I think Lockett's going to get a lot of single coverage because he's a speed demon that they know they have to roll a safety that way, and they're willing to take their chance manning up or playing a little zone on the other side against DK Metcalf. I still think he has a pretty big year, and I think he has a bunch of really big explosive Yeah, and this plays. is the case where it's the opposite of A.J. Brown. I like the situation. Even though the Seahawks run a ton, you start to look at the long-term prospects of who Russell Wilson's going to throw the ball to. It doesn't look great. Like Tyler Lockett's been, has been 
successful there, but we'll see what it's like when, as Jake mentioned on our, our, our other show, when he is the guy going into the season. Can he handle that role? David Moore looked decent at the end of last year, but this is a guy that was basically off the street. I mean, they don't have a lot of great pass-catching options there, that if he could turn into one of Russell Wilson's favorites, there's a lot of potential there long-term. For this year, I have him at my wide receiver 50. You know, if you get into round 10 and beyond, I think you take a shot on him. He's a high upside guy for your bench. But uh, among the rookies, I have him. Same with everybody else here at number six. Number seven in these rankings, fantasypros.com. Daryl Henderson, the Los Angeles Rams running back. He's the fourth overall running back on this list. Jamie, your thoughts on Daryl Henderson? I have him right there as well. I have him at number seven. Uh, I think his long-term prospects are probably better than his one-year prospects. I just think everybody has talked him up into oblivion at this point where you just – if you want to get him at a reasonable rate in drafts, you're just not going to. It's just It just is what it is at the moment. Uh, he is my, where do I have him right here? He is my running back 38 for this year. You know, I take him once you just get outside the top 90 picks there. Cause I do think he's going to have some touches. Uh, I, I am not predicting a massive downfall for Todd Gurley as it seems like half the world is, but I do think there's going to be some prospect there long-term. I do, if they do want to use him in the passing game, the way Sean McVay is talking about, that's really exciting long-term because that means even if something happens, doesn't happen to Gurley or doesn't happen to Malcolm Brown, that there is some role in this offense for him that should grow as you get into years two and three and four and beyond. Yeah, I got him at number 10 on my list. I think he's the perfect handcuff for Gurley this year. Uh, I think he is going to play. He catches it really well out of the backfield. But I, again, where I saw him going in drafts was insane. I mean, some of these guys are getting so overhyped, and you, you're loving it because I think if you really do your homework in the drafts this year, especially in, in you know a new brand new draft, oh, if you do your homework, you could absolutely steal guys. I, mean, I saw AJ AJ Green went in the ninth, tenth, and eleventh round, and three of the drafts. Like that's it's, people just forget because he's what he's going to miss a couple weeks. So what? Like that's but I think he's the perfect uh, handcuff for Gurley in this situation. All right, number eight on this list, uh, Indianapolis wide receiver Paris Campbell, the fourth wide receiver off the top of this list. Jake, I'll go to you first here. We've talked about Indianapolis at nauseum. We like this team a lot. There's a lot of mouths to feed. There's a good offensive line and a healthy Andrew Luck. What is your uh, what is your outlook on Paris Campbell going into this season and long term? If I was going to go to 11, he'd be 11th. Uh, hands are a question mark, but they got better at his time at Ohio State. He could flat fly. He takes the top off the coverage. I'm not sure that that's going to be huge for him. He's kind of that J.J. Nelson role that we've seen, you know, three or four deep shots a game, and Andrew throws a great deep ball. But I think it's really going to help T.Y. Hilton more than it helps Paris Campbell and his catchability. Um, Devin Funches there, I think he's going to be a solid two, much more possession guy. I think they're all going to be out there together, but I think his role is really going to be taking the top off not necessarily becoming a well-rounded receiver. I think it's just going to be yeah, deep I don't threats. love him for this season. Like right now he was my wide receiver 60, and I'm going to keep dropping him a little bit because he's just not – he hasn't been on the field. He's missed some time, and he's just not making huge impacts right now. But he's my number five on this list. I like him a lot long-term. I mean I, I think he can be T.Y. Hilton with not, not quite as good hands. I, I think they could use him like that in that offense in the future – but this is somebody, you, if you take him this year in a dynasty draft, you know he's going to be on your bench. Like He's not somebody you're going to want to play a lot this year. There are a lot of mouths to feed in that Indianapolis offense. Uh, he's not a rookie, but right now I'd be more impressed and more willing to draft a guy like Deion Kane than I would Paris Campbell for this year. Okay. All right, for this year. Uh, number nine overall, Hollywood Brown uh, in Baltimore. And I know – 
I know that Jamie, uh, one of the things we paid attention to in the draft was that you really liked him coming out and you wanted him to go to a good situation. And going to a good situation is not going to play football with your quarterback, who's a run-first quarterback. So what is your outlook on him this season? And I know this breaks my heart. I love Hollywood Brown, but he's number 15 for me uh, in dynasty rankings for rookie drafts. I just The situation is not great. There's not, it's not going to improve. Lamar Jackson's going to be the guy there for the foreseeable future. Uh, to, he's barely inside my top 75 wide receivers for this year. I, I, that foot injury scares me. I just This is the absolute worst-case scenario for him was to go to Baltimore. This is where receivers go to die. Uh, I am not excited about him. If I, He's a guy that if you want to take the second round of your rookie dra- dynasty draft, uh, by all means, but if you're in a 12-team league, he's not somebody you're considering with your first pick there among these rookies. Hell no. I want 0% of this, period, now, long-term, whatever. By the way, he ain't even practicing. So why does it matter? We play in three weeks. He hadn't practiced. Yeah. The, the foot is an issue. The foot was an issue coming out. That's why I said he should drop to at least the second round and not be the first guy taken. It's an issue now. It's going to continue to be an issue. These things do not go away with these feet, people. Trust me on this. He's not going to be the same player, and he's damn sure not going to be the same player in that offense. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, he's damn sure not going to be the same player in that offense. That is for sure. The first tight end to come off the board here is the number 10 on the Fantasy Pros rankings. That is TJ Hawkinson for the Detroit Lions. Jamie, your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson this year and then – He's 11th for me for among rookies. This year I don't want really any part of him. I mean I, I, I understand why people are drafting him. Not whether they're drafting him where they are in ADP, which we talked about in our tight end show, which is just flat out ridiculous and stupid. Uh, but I understand what the appeal is. If you're looking for high upside super, super late, he's as good of a chance as any of those guys, those list of like 20 guys that we have no idea about. Uh, you know, long term, I want to see what his role looks like in that Detroit offense. I do think there is a void in the middle of the field that I don't think Danny Amendola is just going to fully feel, fill long term. So I do want to see what that looks like. But he's another guy that if I take him this year, I'm not planning on actually playing him this season. I don't think he's going to finish among the top 15 tight ends in year one. But I am looking. I mean, I'm curious to see where if he can be at a very weak position in fantasy, somebody that can get himself into the top 10 in years two, three, four, five, and beyond. I like the player. I love the quarterback. I don't hate the situation. I don't really like it for year one, as Jamie said. I kind of like it long term. I don't have him in my top 10. I don't have either one of these tight ends in my top 10 that are getting so overhyped. But I really like the player. He's a well-rounded player, uh, and I love Matthew Stafford. So I think there's going to be a role for him moving forward. I'm just not sure. There's so many question marks on this offense of what we're going to see. Who's going to be the the number one targets? Uh, Who's going to be the check down guys? Who they're scheming it up for? And I don't think he's in the top three is or four of what we're, we're talking about there. But I love also, him with Matthew Stafford. Coach in two years, exactly. There's Not also. <laughs> I mean, uh, right? Like the, you know, the Lions could win two games this year, and all of a sudden we, they have a new head coach. Like I think that's well within the realm of possibility. Yeah, as as bad as people are projecting the Detroit Lions to be. Um, Listen, they fired a coach that took them to the playoffs. I will never understand uh, the coaching change. And as we've talked about at nauseum on this show, we have talked about how bad Belichick disciples are when they leave, with the exception of what we've seen in Tennessee thus far. Okay, guys, we went through the top 10 there on Fantasy Pros. Are there any guys that you want to hit on um, that we didn't talk about. I definitely want to get your thoughts on Kyler Murray. So why don't we start there? And then if there's anybody else you guys want to bring up, uh, feel free. Jake, I'll go to you first. 
I got Kyler Murray as my number one guy on this list. He touches the ball every play. He's a quarterback. He's the first pick of the draft. And while I don't think it's necessarily going to be phenomenal in year one, there's going to be a ton of excitement. He can do everything. And when you're talking about fantasy, he can run. Now, I think he might get knocked out when he does it, but he can run. He's going to do that. Um, I just I think he has more more value, not necessarily value. He has, he has more than anybody else on this list because he's the number one guy. He is It's his offense. They're building the entire thing around him. And I love the fact that the coach doesn't care if they throw it 75 times a game. They're going to be losing a lot of them. He's going to throw a lot of it late. Uh, I've said that. I think they're going to be the most exciting 4-12 and 12 team in a long time. He's got the highest floor on this list. It just Again, it's the issue with how many – what's the likelihood you're going to keep Kyler Murray and make him your starting quarterback in the next three or four years with all of the other quarterbacks that we see out there? I think that would be my only concern. It's not, not a talent issue. It's not a situation issue. It's probably the best situation aside from the offensive line – one of the better situations he could fall into with the coaching staff and the ability that he's going to be out there for a ton of plays and it doesn't matter if they win or lose. But I just, there's so many good fantasy quarterbacks. I guess if you, if you've missed out in your draft, if you missed out on, and you're going into the season with no quality fantasy quarterback and you need a rookie to take it, then fine. You could take him in round one. But just for me, there's so many good fantasy quarterbacks that unless you're playing in like a league where you need two or three of them, I'm not that high on him in dynasty redraft. All right, guys. Any other any other rookies that we didn't get to in our list that made your list of top ten, Jake? Anybody? Yeah, I got Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh. I mean, that that whole receiver room is going to have to um, really kind of evolve. Um, but I, I like the player, and a shout out to Daryl Drake, um, great friend of the family that passed away this week. The Steelers receiver coach, excuse me. Um, just an unbelievable man. But he was so high on Deontay Johnson that I have to be that high on him. I trust him as being one of the best receiver coaches in the NFL. And I think if the talent shows in that receiver room, uh, that he could really shine. But James Washington looked good the other night. Uh, Dante Moncrief, and there's a lot to go around. But I have him in the list because I think in that offense, eventually he's going to be a star. Yeah, I, have, I have Johnson 21 for me. I like him a lot. I think there's some more talent in that Pittsburgh receiving room than people know. They just don't know the names. And I think you're going to kind of see that this year, that they're going to be – very productive, and I would not be shocked if Deontay Johnson is the number three wide receiver going into the season. I know it was very good of Washington to have that game. He needed to make an impact because he hasn't, by all accounts, made a huge impact in practice, but I think Pittsburgh has some options there. But there were two guys in the top ten for me that we didn't talk about. One of them is Justice Hill. He's number eight for me. I still think he is the tailor-made back for Lamar Jackson. So if you're looking long-term here, I know they paid Mark Ingram some money, but Mark Ingram is, is on the other side of 30 now. He's out of that Saints offense. I think long-term, Justice Hill is the back that's going to make Lamar Jackson the most successful that he can possibly be. And number nine is Damian Harris. You've got a running back in New England that has massive knee problems that we've all known about, and you've got another running back that can basically do everything he does and was drafted by Bill Belichick this year. I think Damian Harris deserves a lot of attention in dynasty formats because I would not be surprised if he goes into maybe even next season, but maybe two years from now as a Patriots starting running back getting 15-plus carries a game. Guys, we've reached the end of the rookie uh, conversation today. I know there, uh, like we said at the top of the podcast, there was a ton of news to get into. Uh, who knows what will happen uh, by the time we get to Wednesday, because we'll have another episode of Hard Knocks to discuss. Um, and there could really be anything that happens in that Antonio Brown situation. Uh, but I want to make sure everybody knows how to follow you guys. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. 
And you follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jay Eisner FFB on Instagram. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You should follow our accounts, both at TDN fantasy on Instagram and at TDN fantasy underscore on Twitter. And be sure to check out all of our content on the draftnetwork.com. And you can follow them at draft network LLC on Twitter. Have a good day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.